You're listening to Sibling Talk, commentary from a progressive point of view. Now here are your hosts, John Paulette and Mary Jo Tumer. Hello, I'm John Paulette. And I'm Mary Jo Tumer. Okay, Mary, I, I think you and I would both profess to be news junkies and just love as much news as we can get. But I can tell you the truth. Today is like an overload even for us. We have the Electoral College voting in a year where it doesn't seem like just the formality it usually does. I'm watching on uh, the news the first uh, vaccines being given in the United States. Live in-person voting is starting in Georgia in the Senate race. And on top of all of that, it's your birthday. (laughs) I was going to say, you should have led with it's your birthday. And and, uh, and as yeah. I sent to our sibling text, because we have a text of our siblings, my last year in the all others group. Yeah, you're all yeah, others. Because I'm 64. So, you know, yeah. you will be vaccinated as will Mo, but um, I have to wait until all others can go to CVS and get a shot. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I'll let you know how it feels because I am 70 uh, and I have a uh, underlying medical condition uh, there. I never said that before the last nine months, but now I know all about it. So I guess I'm going to be pretty you should, early. You should be but, early, John. I mean, that's a, interesting because I just said to Mo yesterday, because he's already planning a trip to Europe without me, but... Yeah. Um, you know, you would think you would say that age isn't the only thing because um, for anyone that knows us, knows that he's healthier than I, he's healthier today than I was at 35. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. So it's not fair. Interesting thing. So we get, we have all these many things uh, uh, going on, but I don't know why, maybe it is just a formality, but this electoral college thing, is on my mind. Is it for you? Yeah, because we never even pay it any mind until this year. So maybe it's a good thing because there certainly have been discussions, you know, not just since Bush v. Gore, but well before that about whether the Electoral College should be abolished. And so it does kind of bring it front and center, doesn't it? Like It's such a formality today. Now, have you ever seen it broadcast? And are they broadcasting it today? They, they are. And no, I've never seen it broadcast. And I find out today, you know, this, this whole Trump administration, everything about this has weirdly been like a lesson in civics. I somehow imagine that the electoral college like all got together in Washington DC and they, they had a cool looking hall and they sat down, somebody hit a gavel and said, this meeting of the electoral college will now come to order. But it's, it's nothing like that. What they do, I mean, they get together, but they, they each get together in States at the state house. So like in New Hampshire, which apparently has already met. I, I saw them on uh, television this morning. The electors get together. And, Joe, sometimes 
the electors are kind of famous people. For instance, both Bill and Hillary are electors in New York. That's Who an knew? interesting. But yeah, it's an interesting piece of trivia. There was another guy. This guy, I think, was in Wisconsin, and he was just a volunteer at the convention. And he was like, his job was passing out credentials when you came in. And then he saw posted a meeting for uh, selecting the electors for the state. And he said, oh, I think that'd be cool. So he went. He's a high school math teacher. like So there's a real weird mix of, of people. When they get together, it's very old-fashioned. They, they take a piece of paper. They all do this in all the state houses. And they write on it, Joseph Biden, and they put that in a box. And then those are counted. And those results are what get reported to the Congress in uh, January, January 6th, I, I think. We've never seen this kind of thing before because nobody cared, right? Yeah. So there's a couple of things. First of all, do they have to sign their names to those or are they anonymous ballots? And the second thing, I cannot imagine how satisfying it will be for Hillary Clinton to write Joseph R. Biden. I, you know, if I was Hillary, I'd say, oh, the hell with it, and I'd write her own name in. Yeah, exactly. I'm a faith, faithless elector. Faithless and I'm elector. Hillary Clinton. <laughs> Hillary yeah, I'm putting, Rodham Clinton. <laughs> absolutely. Get that whole whole thing in there. No, I think that's. I think it will be satisfying. Uh, I don't know. They must put their name, or you wouldn't know who the faithless elector was, would you? I guess that's what made me think about that because um, the, the Supreme Court case that um, about the faithless electors last year, last spring, it was heard. It was my impression that they knew who those faithless electors were. I think. I mean, I don't know. It's not that big of a deal. What's more interesting about it is, to your point, how old school it is. Also, that the way that it's done, meaning that they are basically meeting at the same time, because doesn't the Constitution say they all have to decide on the they same? They have to do it today. Yes, yeah. on the same day. And each state, which is kind of the weird beauty of federalism, is doing it in their own way at their own time. And then there's a very direct process. I mean, isn't it they vote and then they certify that vote to their governor, their secretary of state, the chief federal judge of the district that they sit in? I think there's like multiple people they have to certify it to and the vice president of the United States. Right. And then what they do is go and there is a pony waiting for them <laughs> with a rider right outside. And they strap these votes on the back of the pony. They're actually a series of ponies because uh, one horse cannot get there all the way. And I, I mean, I obviously say that jokingly, but I mean, there's an element of this. This idea of an electoral college is as archaic and useless as sending results by Pony Express. It was a bad compromise. By the way, a quick thing uh, to know. Do you know the phrase electoral college does not occur in the Constitution? Oh, I did not Electors know does. Article 2 mentions electors, and uh, the 12th Amendment mentions electors. But the idea of a college, that just kind of 
came up uh, uh, along along the way. But I mean, we know historically this thing was a compromise because part of the founders thought that the uh, legislature uh, should select the president, and part of them thought that popular vote should do it. And so they went back and forth, and they said, you know, can we make a compromise? And they said, yeah, what the heck, let's found the Electoral College. And they said, great idea, let's go out and we'll have a draft of a hearty ale to, together. <laughs> and for as long as I can remember, every four years, we have said, you know, we ought to get rid of the Electoral College. We, and something incredible, like 80% of Americans believe that we ought to get rid of it. We know within the last 20 years that it gives some really distorted results. So why is it that we never get rid of it? But the distorted results, and I and this is only one of the distorted results we have in the United States, gerrymandering gives us the other one, gives the Republicans who would be disadvantaged by getting rid of the Electoral College, um, get, they have enough power to fight against getting rid of it. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. And that has to do more with gerrymandering and how, um, you know, the states choose their Congress people. And then, of course, that's a whole other conversation on how gerrymandering works. Yeah. But but what you're saying is really the important gerrymandering, the electoral college, these things have protected, they've instituted and protected long-term minority rule in this country. And now the courts, you know, by virtue of all, all of this, and Mitch McConnell and Donald Trump, have completed that process so that potentially the executive, the legislature, and the courts can all be run by the minority. That's right. And, you know, one thing to think about ultimately is, I think one of the things the founders were afraid of was the tyranny of the majority. That's, again, an old school phrase. And when you allow for both parties to have some kind of equal footing, you create the dialectic, right? You create the balance. It's gotten out of whack because I think the Republicans are better at gaming the system than Democrats are. And I heard yesterday um, someone describing the two parties as the authoritarian party. That's the Republican Party, meaning you game the system. You don't trust the system. You don't trust government and all that comes with authoritarianism and that we've seen in this post-election period. And then the Democrats, which is really the small-D Democratic Party, who believes in democracy in its purest forms. And that's kind of the battle that we're fighting as the Republicans represent more of a group of people that are becoming a minority. I don't think, to be honest with you, John, that all of it is the... the. Um, philosophy of the Republicans that's a minority viewpoint. Some of them are not, you know. I mean, America is, a, the United States is kind of a center-right co country, or at least a center country. Um, but the, the party, the Republican Party, is 
more and more and more becoming a party of uh, white Americans, and that is becoming a minority. Well, I think you're disagreeing you, with me. Go ahead, disagree. Well, it, you know, but I'm saying it's so nice because it's your birthday. I, I'm really going to say this well. Uh, I remember, you know, like in civics class, hearing, you know, in reverent tones, we do not want a ter- tyranny of the majority. But we are really facing a tyranny of the minority. And in my mind, that minority is too often racist, if not racist in the sense of they're going to use bad words and they wouldn't let you into their restaurant. They nevertheless want to maintain white privilege. I think it is a tyranny of the wealthy that wants to make certain that they maintain their money, even at the expense of health care and food for, for others. So, yeah, I think we have created or allowed to go on a terrible social problem by allowing uh, this Republican lock on, on power. I yeah, think I feel it more dangerous than you do. Yeah, I, I mean, I, as you were saying that, I was thinking about the issues where an, um, the majority of Americans have a viewpoint that cannot get a vote or a hearing in Congress. And one of those would be um, limiting gun rights in the United States or some gun control measures, which like 80 percent of people support. Another would be abortion rights, which, again, a huge number support abortion rights. But now we have a court um, through this minority rule that may well um, limit to almost um, abolish abortion, abortion rights in the United States, which is very, very hard to imagine in an advanced country like the United States. So I think you're right. There are issues where the minority has won the argument because they own the Congress and the courts. They own the Senate and the courts. And that's why the election, obviously, in Georgia is so important, because if the Democrats would take back the Senate, you would be able to get some things done. There are other issues which I think are more um, maybe aspirational issues that I think the Republicans, at least the traditional Republican Party, is attractive to many people in the United States, um, or at least their marketing of it, say entrepreneurship or, you know, uh, minimizing um, regulations, that kind of thing, that many Americans are like, that's what's built the the machine, the engine of the United States. So in a, a traditional American viewpoint, not the populism of Trump, so I think I guess what I'm saying is that the if you quit rigging the system as the Republicans have been able to do over the last 40s or so years you would have the competition of ideas that the founders envisioned and that's the dynamic that keeps the United States moving forward. We get pulled backwards to an earlier time, you know, a time that is just not a modern time by these old point viewpoints on abortion, on gay rights, on gun rights, those kinds of things. But I don't think we're disagreeing. No, probably not. 
And listen, I know I have to let you go because you're going to do an all-day celebration of your birthday. <laughs> but there was one other. I listed four big pieces of news uh, before. There is a fifth one that we have to mention kind of quickly. You are there in Cleveland, Ohio. That's where I grew up. And we learned reliably today that our old, old name for our baseball team, the Cleveland Indians, is not going to be the name anymore, right? Right. And they haven't decided what it's going to be. I guess it wouldn't be appropriate to call them the tribe, which is what we've moved to calling them. But tribe isn't necessarily related to Native Americans. But I had a friend who listens. So call out to Fred. And he said, are you going to talk on Sibling Talk with the new name, which should be the Cleveland Lawyers? Because <laughs> he's a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> I and think he, that's okay. We, uh, uh, you know, our family has uh, already begun to make suggestions. Our mom, uh, whose name is Margaret Marge, uh, oh, she loved the Cleveland Indians. She really, she, really loved them. She would say, I live and die by the Indians. <laughs> I live and die by them. And so I felt that uh, the Cleveland Margies. I gave me an idea, though, for people to think about. So the um, I know we're running a little over, but it's a you know birthday privilege. So you know that midges, which are these little bugs that come in the fall and they come to and live on Lake Erie. I don't know if they're anywhere else in the country, but they're like little moss kind of. And they attacked the city. And one time wow. we won a playoff game against the Yankees because the pitcher was so distracted by those midges. So maybe instead of the Cleveland Margies, we call them the Cleveland Midges. Midges. And there would be some history to support that because the franchise was at one time called the Cleveland Spiders. There we go. So we're getting there, John. <laughs> we've got it. All right. Happy birthday, Mary. Thanks, John. Bye. Bye. Sibling Talk is a JMP production. Theme song by David Paulette.